Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to the King's House Podcast. We're a non-denominational church located in McAllister, Oklahoma, reaching and serving those in our community and around the world. We believe that church is not something you go to, but a family you belong to. And a house is just a house until the family's there. Then the house becomes a home. So today we want to say, welcome home, as we jump into today's service. some of this junk. All right. Hey, is anybody excited to be at church today? Man, I am so excited to be here. I am so excited to see each and every one of you. Wow, I don't know about anybody else, but I needed that worship this morning, man. Whoa, I was a sinner and I was lost and his amazing grace found me. Come on, somebody. Man, he revolutionized my life. The love of Jesus. I believe God has something so special, uh, so critical today for each and every one of us. So if you would, before I just jump in, let's just have a word of prayer together. Holy Spirit, we love you so much. Holy Spirit, our prayer is exactly what we sung earlier, that you would come and consume all that we are. We give you permission. Our hearts are completely yours. Our prayer this morning is, God, we want you. We want you have your way in this service. Open our ears, open our hearts to receive what you have for us. In the precious name of Jesus, everyone said together, amen, amen. We're on part four of this current series called Real Relationship, The Road to Health. And for the first three weeks, we've focused heavily on the real relationship part. And we've tried to to give you some incredible tips and some opportunities along the way to improve your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because I think we all know if we don't have that first and foremost in our lives, then nothing else is going to fall into place. Are you with me this morning, King's House? I mean, if if Jesus isn't the the first and the center and your relationship with him isn't of the utmost importance, then nothing else in life really makes sense. So we intentionally focus so heavily those first three weeks on your relationship with Jesus. We've had some, uh, some beautiful times on Wednesday nights, haven't we, church? I mean, really, just some beautiful times of prayer and worship and and fellowship together. But for the next two weeks, I'm going to be very intentional to speak to you on some very practical ways that you can get healthy. And I think hopefully you're going to see how the spiritual aspect of your life and the practical aspect of your life has to come together. They have to be on the same team working together in order for you to be truly healthy, in order for you to fully walk in everything that God has for you to walk in. Do you believe that you were created on purpose for a purpose this morning? I'm telling you, God has beautiful plans for each and every one of your lives. Beautiful plans and purposes he wants you to walk in. I'm going to try my best to help you to do some of that today. I think we all know that we are created in the image of God. I mean, we are. You are fearfully, I hope I don't fall off the front of the stage today. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. God that we serve, the one and only, the only true God, he is one God, but he has three very distinct personalities, people that are so tightly knit together in heart and mind and unity that you can say that they're one. Three people become one. We serve God the Father. We serve God the Son, whose name is 
Jesus and God the Holy Spirit. Now, God the Father loved you so much. And he wanted a relationship with you so badly after sin had separated us from that relationship that God the Father, who's seated on the throne this morning, who's not scared or worried or confused. Come on, somebody. Amen. He loved you so much that he sent his son, God the Son, Jesus Christ, to take all your sin, to take all your guilt, to take all your shame. He bore those things that he did not do. He took your sin, your guilt, your shame. He paid for those things by giving his life on the cross. And by doing that, he rebuilt this bridge that had been broken between God and man. And now this morning, here's some great news. You have free access to a relationship with God. What you do with that access is completely up to you, but that bridge has been mended and built. He gave his life for you. Three days later, he came walking out of that grave that could not hold him, holding the keys to death, to hell. The grave, Jesus, is the victor this morning. We can walk in victory because he has already purchased that victory for us. And now that very same Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, and he is praying for you this morning, constantly making intercession for us. I don't care what you're going through or how dark the night seems. With Jesus praying for you, I promise you're going to find a way to get through it. Yeah, yeah. And as he left 40 days after his resurrection, he said, listen, I'm going to send you somebody that is better than me. He is never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. He is going to comfort you. He is going to teach you. He is going to live inside of you. And he is going to lead you into all truth. And he gave us the precious gift of the Holy Spirit that lives inside each and every one of us that has received Jesus as our Lord and the Savior of our lives. I am so thankful for this precious gift called the Holy Spirit. But God is made into three parts. And if we're made in his image, then guess who else is made in three parts? We are, yes. We are complicated. Some of you husbands are shaking your hands like, dang right, women be complicated. My wife's not here this morning. I can say anything I want, man. She's got strep throat. She's watching at home. She's probably not even watching at home. Our, our internet's terrible, so I can say anything. <laughs> Inside of each and every one of us that makes us up as human beings is a spirit this is the part of you that will never die, the part of you that's immortal, that will live eternally, the part of you that was instantly regenerated, instantly came to life the second you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Salvation isn't a discussion of how good or bad you are. Salvation is a discussion of are you dead or are you alive? Because the second Jesus came into your heart, you came alive, baby. And this is the party that will live forever in eternity with Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen to that. It's also the part of you that will live forever in eternity in a horrible place called hell if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's kind of important. But that's what your spirit is. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Quite the opposite of your spirit that was instantly regenerated. Your soul was not instantly regenerated. How many of you in here this morning still struggle with sin occasionally? How many of you here this morning still feel like you're a work in progress? And you will be a work in progress until the day you die. Every day you are in this process called sanctification, 
where God is healing and, and putting back together the broken pieces of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And you will be in this sanctification process until the day you stand before Jesus. So that will be the first time you know what perfection looks like and feels like. And the last part of us is our body. Our spirit was instantly regenerated. Some of you can attest this morning our body is the opposite. It is in a constant state of degeneration. <laughs> You know what that means? That means that I played basketball with Sawyer two days ago. I'm only 37 years young. But I played basketball with Sawyer two days ago. Every muscle in my entire body hurt the next day. Every single, because I'm not getting better. This body is, I'm past my prime, okay? Every day, this body, this shell is dying. It's in a constant state of degeneration. Are we all clear on this? These three aspects that make up our spirit, our soul, and our body. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, the only part of my body, this, this complex three-dimensional body, the only part that I ever heard about, got taught about, paid any attention to was my spirit. But until we learn to focus on spirit, soul, and body, you will never be fully healthy. You will never be fully functional, fully operating in the fullness of what God has for you. Okay, I'm going to talk to you very practically. Growing up, the answer to everything. Rachel, Brandon, you can attest to this. The answer to every problem on planet Earth. You just need to read and pray more. Justin, what, yeah, some of you know, man, we, we had some PTSD we're still recovering from growing up in a cult. Uh, the answer to everything, just read and pray more. Read and pray more. Read and, the only aspect of our life that got any attention was our spirit man. You just need to read and pray more. So that's what, that's what I learned to do. I learned to read and pray more, right? Well, I, I'm getting a little discouraged. God, why am I feeling discouraged? Pff, duh, obviously. I got to read and pray more. So that's what I did, man. I just read and pray, read and pray, read. Man, I, I just feel like my faith level is not where it needs to be. I just... I feel like I'm always struggling. I feel like I'm always on the losing end of the stick. What do I need to do, Pastor? Silly question. Obviously, man. Read and pray more. Well, man, I'm struggling with temptation. I don't know what to do. I keep falling into the same sins. What am I supposed to do, Pastor? Hey, yeah. My dog got hit by a car, and I'm feeling a little upset about it. What should I do, Pastor? The answer to everything in life. I'm making a mess up here. The answer to everything in life was to read and pray more. Because it's the only thing that mattered was your spiritual self. Mark, your body's dying. The only thing that's eternal is your spirit. Focus on your relationship with God. Focus on that spirit. Read and pray and pray in tongues and prophesy. And spirit, 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 spirit. I did have coffee this morning. Ho, Daniel, fast over. Eat it. Woo! <laughs> yeah, there's the old mark we know and love. Uh, here's the problem we run into, okay? Now, this isn't just s some opinion or something I read in the book. This is Pastor Old, 37-year-old past Pastor Mark trying to help somebody this morning, okay? 
Because when you read and pray and you read and pray and all you do is focus on filling up your spirit. This is, I, I'm not against reading and praying. I hope you hear my heart this morning. We need to read. We need to pray, man. We need to spend time at the feet of Jesus. We need to work. We got to do all that. If that's not first, then nothing else is going to work. But if that's all you're doing, you run into these places in life where, man, I've been reading and praying like a, you know what, but I'm still discouraged. I've been, I've been reading and praying and I've been doing all those things. I still don't have faith. I've been reading and praying. I'm still tired. I'm still confused. I'm still falling into the same temptations over and over. But God, what the heck, man? Look at that spirit bottle. It's full, man. And we convince ourselves that this is all that matters in life. But the reality is if you're completely neglecting the other aspects of your life, it looks like your spirit man is plumb full. But it's impossible to invest in one part of your life and not the other. And the reality is, it looks like your spirit man might be full. But in reality, every part of your life is anemic. Every part of your life is suffering. Why are you tired? Why are you confused? Why are you struggling with your faith? Why are you falling into temptation? Maybe the answer isn't all spiritual. Maybe I need to give some attention to my soul and to my body if I'm really going to walk in the kind of health that God has for me to walk in. Are you with me this morning, King's House? Here we go. The title of my sermon this morning is Take the Day Off. Take the day off. In the Bible, they call this a Sabbath. And this word Sabbath means this. Put this definition up there for me. To stop, to cease. A day set aside for two things, rest and worship. Maybe you're tired, maybe you're confused, maybe you're falling into temptation, maybe, maybe you need to give yourself a Sabbath because it is a principle from the Word of God. I'm going to show you this morning. It's a principle from the Word of God. I'm going to show you this morning that you are not healthy without it. And I'm going to show you that it's not legalism. Actually, God is trying to help you with a Sabbath. Look in Genesis chapter 2, if you would. We're going all the way back to the beginning because we need to see this principle. We need to see this precedent that God set for our lives, man. God, the creator of the universe, he said, let there be light. And I believe in the Big Bang Theory this morning. If you don't know, I believe God said it and bang, it started happening, right? And I believe that light came launching out of his mouth at 186,000 miles per second. And God started doing stuff. And he separated the light from the darkness. And he separated the water and the dry land. And he put trees and mountains and grass. And he created every animal above the ocean, every animal below the ocean. Then he got his hands dirty, man, and he began to form us in his image. But on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he, oh, look at your neighbor and say it like you mean it, rested on the count of three. One, two, three. He rested from all his work, and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he 
rested from all of his work. I know some of you are important. I know some of you are very strong and capable. But if God needed a day of rest, friend, rest assured today that you do too. Do I have a witness this morning? None of you that big and bad. I promise. It's a principle. It's a precedent that God set in his word, a day of rest. Exodus chapter 20. God had been showing off for a while. Man, Moses just led million-plus people out of captivity in Egypt. And in the meantime, God had turned water into blood, sent crickets, sent frogs, sent fireballs. I mean, God did it all. Parted the Red Sea, gobbled up all the Egyptians. He's pulling out all the stops. But now they're out of Egypt, and they're going into the promised land. And how many of you know that you can't take old ways into a brand-new day? Yeah, some of those old ways of doing things and old ways of thinking, they don't work in the new season that God has for you to walk into. So God calls Moses up to the top of Mount Sinai and he says, we got to set a new culture. we got to set a new precedence. This is how I want my people to live. Forget all those old things that happened in Egypt. This is a brand new time, a new season, a new day that I have for you to walk into. So, so Moses goes to the top of Mount Sinai. He's there for 40 days. He comes back down. God's given him Ten rules, ten laws, ten commandments. This is what I want my people to look like. This is how I want my people to live. You know some of these commandments. Hopefully the majority of them, first and foremost, have no other gods before me. Keep him first, baby, in everything you do. But then it gets kind of serious. He's saying stuff like, hey, don't steal from each other. Don't kill people. I mean, this is big stuff. Don't commit adultery. But then here we see in verse 8, remember to Observe the Sabbath and keep it holy? You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of dedicated to the Lord your God. I'm a little baffled by this commandment. I get keeping God first. I fully support and agree with don't kill each other, don't steal from each other, don't sleep with your buddy's wife. Like, I get that stuff. But dadgum, in the same list, actually, if you want to know, if you think God does things in order of importance by the order of number, did you know that a day of Sabbath comes before don't steal and don't kill? Let that sink in for a second, folks. Before God said don't steal and before he said don't kill, he said remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. you got six days to do whatever it is you need to do on that seventh day. Set it aside and rest. Set it aside in worship. Can the Sabbath really be that important? Can it really, what difference does it make in our lives if we take a day off? What difference does it make in our lives if we take a day and just rest and give that to God? I'm going to show you. Because I've asked myself these questions, why the importance? We see the answer in, in, in 1 Kings. In 1 Kings, there's a, a terribly wicked king named Ahab. And he has an even more wicked queen named Jezebel. They have completely turned the nation of God away from God. They've torn down the altars to God. They have erected altars to Baal. They're making sacrifices to a false god named Baal. It's a godless time in the nation of Israel. Well, God raises up this prophet named Elijah. Elisha rolls up to Ahab one day and he says, God's about to show you what's up, dude. That's the Mark Hannon translation. God's about to show you what's up, player, okay. After I speak today, it's not going to rain until I tell it to rain. That's a bold statement, but after Elijah said that, it did not rain. 
And all the grass died and all the water dried up. A terrible drought, a terrible famine. All the animals are dying. It's a sad situation. This goes on for three years. Finally, Elijah reemerges, reapproaches Ahab and says, hey, man, I want to challenge you to something today. If you think Baal is so real and so powerful, then let's just have a duel. I mean, let's just fight it out man to man. I think Jehovah's God. You think Baal's God. Let's see what's up. So they assemble 450 prophets of Baal. 450. Here's the duel. They're going to build an altar. They're going to put a bull on the altar. And whatever God answers by fire, that's the God that we're going to serve. That's the one true God. So he lets the prophets of Baal go first. They build this altar. They put this cow on this bull on the altar. And they say, okay, boys, here we go, man. They're getting all revved up. All right, Baal, fireball. Baal, Baal, hey, Baal, 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 wait, Baal, Baal. Nothing, nothing. Elijah begins to mock him. Maybe Baal's asleep. Scream louder. Maybe Baal can't hear you. They do. They scream. They cut themselves. Baal, please, Baal. Elijah continues to mock. He even says, maybe Baal's in the restroom. I mean, like, give the dude some privacy. Yeah, yeah. This goes on all day into the night till finally Elijah says, man, enough is enough. He builds an altar. He puts a bull on the altar. He doesn't stop there. He says, pour water all over that thing. He doesn't stop there. He digs a trench around it. Fill that trench full of water. He bows his head. He prays, God, show Israel once and for all who the one true God is. Fire falls from heaven, consumes the sacrifice, consumes all the water. All the prophets of Baal go, uh-oh. They round him up. Elijah takes a sword and kills all 450 false prophets. This is a bad dude. Are you getting this picture? Then Elijah hikes to the, mat, the top of Mount Carmel. He prays. And when he prays, here come the storm clouds. After three years, just like he said, he said it's time to rain. And this is where we pick up the story. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Right? Next verse. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom sheet and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. And I read that chapter and I said, what? This dude told it not to rain and it didn't? This dude called down fire from heaven? This dude took a sword and killed 450 prophets of Baal and then he decided, oh, it's time to rain. And he prays and it rains? The power of God came on this dude and he outran a chariot. 
This is a bad dude walking in the power and the authority that God had for him. And now we see him running for his life, asking God, please kill me. Oh, it's too hard. I'm done. Oh, God. All because some chick threatened him? We're missing something here, King's House. Like, I'm reading this like, God, what am I missing? What, what, what am I not comprehending with this story? And I'm about to tell you the part that we're missing. Because from Mount Carmel where he prayed for rain to Jezreel, put this next slide up for us, was 30 miles. That's a long run, folks. I mean, you've already been up all day killing 450 dudes. Now you're running 30 miles? And the next morning he gets up, Jezebel threatens him, he flees again. From Jezreel to Beersheba was 100 miles. 100? Do you know what made this man of God that was so bold, that was so brave, that was walking in so much power and authority and the fullness of what God had for him? Do you know what made him turn into a sniveling, crying little girl? Run? Do you know what the difference happened was? Here's what we're missing. Elijah was tired. He's worn smooth out, man. How, Mark, that seems a little far-fetched. I'll show you, friend. Go home and read it for yourself. Look at the next verse. I know it to be true because of how God responded to Elijah. Here's Elijah laying under the broom tree. God, kill me. <laughs> then he lay down and... Under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and said, get up, you worthless pansy. Where's your faith, you pathetic piece of God? That's what Mark Hennon would have said to him under the broom tree. Here's what the angel from God says, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and took another nap what he did. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up, ate, and drank. Friends, I offer you the concept this morning that Elijah was not having a spiritual crisis in his life, but a practical one. I would suggest this morning that the last thing Elijah needed to do was to read and pray more. Because when God showed up on the scene, he didn't say, hey, where's your faith? Read and pray. The remedy to this horrible situation that Elijah found himself in, the remedy was, hey, bud, why don't you eat, drink, take a nap. That's the word, man. Eat, drink, take a nap. One of the most powerful men of God. You realize Elijah didn't die. Only him and Enoch never died. This man is such a powerful man of God that here comes a chariot of fire and then a whirlwind, and Elijah gets taken up to heaven in a daggum tornado. That's the most redneck Oklahoma thing that I could ever hope for. I want you to take me home in a fiery tornado with my 12-gauge shotgun strapped in my hip, Lord. That's how this man left the earth. He didn't have a spiritual problem. You are not you. When you're not rested, eat a Snickers. You're not. You're not you when you're not rested. 
When I'm not rested, I am more stressed. I am more easily discouraged. I'm just being real with you this morning. When I'm not rested, my faith can get to absolutely zero. When I'm not rested, I feel extraordinarily overwhelmed and underqualified. I begin to tell myself things like, I don't know if I can do this forever. Might be time for Mark to start just exploring some other options for his future. The problem is I suck at everything else on planet Earth. Truth. But what, I mean, if I'm not passing the King's House, then what am I doing? I better start when I'm not rested. When I'm not rested, I am a way worse husband. When I'm not rested, I am a way worse father. My patience is zero. I become extremely agitated, extremely moody. Ask Erica. My temper goes from zero to a thousand in the blink of an eye. The answer isn't read and pray, read and pray. Read. I've been doing that. I do that every day. The answer is honor the word of God and rest and take a Sabbath. Because when I put aside a day for the Lord and when I rest, and when I'm not worried about what's going on at the king's house, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the king's house can exist for more than a day without the involvement of Mark Hinnon. Did you, did you know that? Some of you are like, oh, wow. It really can. It better be able to or we don't have much of a church. This thing's built on Mark Hinnon. We are in big, big trouble. Some of you need to not nod your head so vigorously. But when I take a day of rest and I, and I set aside a day, God, I'm going to rest. God, I'm going to focus on you. God, I'm going to worship. 99% of the time, by the time that day's over, the juices are flowing. For a time such as this, Mark Hennon, God put you on planet earth. This is your moment. I mean, by, by the time I rest and worship and, and, and honor God, man, I'm ready to move some mountains. Not because of how much time I've read and prayed, but simply because I've rested. I've honored God with the Sabbath. The reason some of you are struggling, discouraged, confused, falling into temptation, dealing with all sorts of issues in your life, the reason some of you are doing that is because you are tired and you are not rested and you are not honoring God with a Sabbath in your life. You're not you unless you're rested. I believe it's a principle. I believe you'll never be healthy without it. And I want you to know this morning, I'm not asking you to buy into some kind of legalistic system. God is a relationship, not rules. And the Pharisees and Sadducees just had this all messed up. God gave the law, and then they took it to the next level. And on the Sabbath day, there was only so many steps they could take. And on the Sabbath day, they couldn't move a chair so many feet. I mean, it became this ridiculous, rule-driven, legalistic, religious approach to it's the Sabbath. But in Mark chapter 2, the disciples are walking through a field, and they're hungry. It just happens to be the Sabbath which was a Saturday in the Jewish culture. Yeah, they didn't even have church on Sunday, heathens. <laughs> Here they are, they're walking through a field. It's the Sabbath day, and they're hungry. 
They're walking through a wheat field. They begin to pick some of the heads off the wheat and eat it because they were hungry. And the Pharisees do what the Pharisees do best, just like what religious people do best. Listen, if you are passionately in love with and following Jesus Christ in your life, if you have a living, if you have this living, vibrant relationship with God that's bigger than rules, religious people are not going to like you. Yeah. I mean, just, just get ready for it. If you get outside of the box that they put God in, if you're not following every rule and every letter to the T, they're not going to like you. That's okay because they didn't like Jesus either. If everyone in the church is always happy with me, then there's a problem. It's my job to challenge you and step on toes. So the Pharisees do what they do best. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, hey, 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 oh, I'm telling, I'm telling, oh, Jesus. It's the Sabbath. They're eating grain. Uh-uh, they're not supposed to do that, breaking the rules. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Here's Jesus' response. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's not some legalistic, ritualistic rules that I'm trying to get you to buy into. The Sabbath wasn't created in us for us to honor the Sabbath. God's not trying to get us to buy into rules or regulations. God is trying to help you. The Sabbath wasn't made for man, but man for the Sabbath. Because you have incredible purpose in your life. And God has an amazing future. And so many places you're supposed to go and so many things you're supposed to do and so many people you're supposed to touch. And he wants you to live the abundant life, which means life to the extreme, life to the full, bigger and better than you've dreamt for yourself. That's what God has for each and every person in this room. But you will never experience that. You will never walk in the fullness of that as long as you're not healthy. He didn't create the Sabbath to try to restrict you or to try to hurt you created the Sabbath to try to help you, my friends. He wants to help you. I don't think it's a secret this morning. I am a passionate person. Would you agree with that? Yes, I am a driven person. I fully intend on changing the world. It's not something I talk about. It's something that has been inside of me since as long as I can remember, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to live every day of my life passionately, wholeheartedly for Jesus because I still believe that God takes ordinary people like people that grew up in the country in Seminole County, Oklahoma, and I believe he does extraordinary things with those people. And that's good news for you because we live in a place even more redneck than Seminole, which is Pittsburgh County. This is good news for us, okay? God takes ordinary rednecks and does extraordinary things with them. So I want you to be passionate this morning. You hear me? I want you to be passionate. I want you to be driven. I want you to wake up every morning with a sense of purpose. I'm going to change the world today. I want that to burn inside of you. The last thing I want is a church full of pansies. Oh, dear God, help me. We don't need a church full of pansies. I don't know how to respond very well to that. Oh, Mark, I'm just so tired, and my boss is being so mean, and I'm just so discouraged. The back of my hand starts getting so itchy. And the only thing that's going to scratch it is your face. Just, oh, oh, man. Help me, Lord. So that's not what I'm looking for. But I also know what it's like to get unhealthy. Listen to me. I know what it's like to get unhealthy. I know what it's like to push too hard in your own strength and in your own ability. 
And I also know what it's like to crash and burn in a massive, massive way. As passionate and driven as I am today, rewind nine or ten years ago, I was just as depressed and discouraged, if not more so. Spending weeks at a time physically unable to get off of a couch, crippled with hopelessness and depression, crippled. So I don't want that for anybody in this room. So let me help you learn how to live a full, passionate life, and let me help you avoid some of the pitfalls of, of pushing too hard in your own strength. November 18th, 2018 was one of the absolute greatest days of my life. The day I gave my heart to the Lord, the day I married the most wonderful, incredible human, human on planet Earth, Erica, the day I had both of my amazing children, and then the day I became pastor at the King's House, November 18th, 2018. One of the, it was. I'm not just saying that. One of the greatest days of my life. In 2019, it was wild, man. And we pushed, and we prayed, and we fought, and we clawed. And I was trying to prove to myself that I could do it because I was so far in over my head, it wasn't even funny. I was trying to prove to, to all the critics that said this place is dead and gone. And man, this church rallied together and we prayed and we pushed and we saw, we saw God do absolute miracles. I mean, we did it. I, just, I mean, it was just such an amazing year and hundreds gave their hearts to the Lord and, and got baptized and God did just miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. We went from attendance of 160 people to 500 in just a little over a year. I mean, what God did in this place tripled, quadrupled our current financial situation. Just <sighs> anything and everything a, a pastor could ever ask for. That was what 2019 was. 2020 has kind of made some of those feel like distant memories some days, but I'm still, 2019 was a great year. 2020 was a great year too. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Even in the midst of that, at the beginning of 2020, I'm just being honest. I was extremely tired. I was starting to feel very overwhelmed. Uh, I can't do this for, in the midst of all those wins. I mean, it, it was not tough times at the King's House. It was glorious times at the King's House. So it wasn't, I mean, God was moving and just win after win, victory after victory after, wow, what an incredible season. But even in the midst of that, God, why am I so, I'm struggling here. I shouldn't be struggling, but I'm struggling. I should be on cloud nine, but I'm, I'm struggling. I'm tired. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm, and then God asked me this question, and this is what I really want to drive home to you this morning. In prayer one day right here, walking right here, I heard the voice of the Lord very clearly. And he said, Mark, why do you tithe? Easy, God. I believe it's a principle. I believe you've, you've established that as a principle. What you, what you sow, you will reap. I believe it's a principle of honoring you. It is very clearly defined in your word. That's, I mean, that's, that's why I tithe. It's a principle. It's defined in your word. God, I believe that you can take my 10% 
and you can do more with that 10% than I can do with my 100%. I mean, I think you can outdo that with me, that 10%, than what I have left on that 90, because you're going to rebuke the devourer. You're going to keep calamity away from me. You're going to bless. You're going to multiply. I believe you took two fish and five pieces of bread and fed 5,000. It's not about how much you give God. It's the heart that you give it to him with. God, I can't afford not to tithe because you have always provided for me. I've paid my bills when I didn't have a job. Like, God, you have taken care of me, and I trust you that you can do better for me than I can do for myself. That's why I tithe. I believe that's a promise for every person in this room. I'm not preaching about tithing. I know that we're getting uncomfortable, so let's move along quickly. So then he asked me this question. I mean, I felt like that was a good answer, and I felt like God did too. Like, yeah, that's right true. But then he said, so why don't you honor me with the Sabbath? God, Lord, you know I'm busy. I mean, God, you, you, you know what kind of mess that I inherited as a leader. Lord, you know, okay, I'm busy. Okay, I got a lot of things I got to do. A lot of people depend on me. I got a responsibility. I mean, I felt so self-righteous. God, I'm doing what's best for this church, and I'm going to stand, and I'm going to, yeah, I got, I felt a little bit like Ron Burgundy in that moment. You're like, God, surely you haven't forgotten, but kind of a big deal. Okay, people know me, all right. Surely you, (laughs) God, come on. Then he asked me, do you not believe that it's a principle? Have I not clearly defined it in my word? Do you not believe that I can do more with one day than you can do with all seven of them combined? Do you not trust me? Have I, haven't I always taken care of you? Haven't I always given you enough grace to face whatever mountain and whatever challenge? Have I not done that? And then I heard the Lord say, Mark, what I have called you to is so much bigger than you. You can't do it on your own. The reality is, Mark, is that you can't afford not to honor me and give me a Sabbath. If you'll give me a Sabbath. I'll take those other six days, and I will make them so wildly productive, wildly successful. If you'll trust me with the one, I will multiply the other six. I want to ask you the same thing this morning, King's House. Is it not a principle in his word? Is it not clearly defined as a precedence in the word of God? Do you not believe that he can take your one day And do more with it than you can in your seven all by yourself. You can't afford not to honor God with rest. Because what he has called you to do is so much bigger than you. The fact is that you absolutely can't do it on your own. But if you will honor his word, if you will give him a Sabbath, if you will take a day of rest and trust and worship to God, then he will take those other six days and he will multiply them. His favor will be upon them. He will increase them. Nobody in this room is too busy or too important to not take a day and rest and honor the word of God. Nobody. So I've been on a journey 
for almost a year now. And I'm so glad that God spoke to me that before March of 2020. Because if I was already feeling discouraged and overwhelmed uh, before the pandemic, I can't imagine, probably wouldn't be standing here this morning. Yeah, so I'm not me when I'm tired. And I know when I start getting short, I know when I start getting agitated, I know when I start nitpicking the staff, and I know, and they probably know too, like, oh, sweet God, Mark, go home and take a nap. (laughs) I'm challenging you this morning. It was very difficult for me, very difficult, because I am a goer and I am a doer. And I'm going to talk more about next week what it looks like to take care of your, your soul and those emotions a little bit more. But today I'm talking about being healthy, taking care of that body. A Sabbath is not trying to hurt you, friends. A Sabbath is trying to help you. Here I stand a year later. I am intentional every single week. I'm as busy as I've ever been. I deal with as much pressure and responsibility as I've ever dealt with. But when I honor God, when I give him that Sabbath, it's just amazing how light some of those things feel every single day when I put God first, when I've honored his word, and when I've trusted him with a day of rest. I'm challenging you. It's going to fix some of your marriages. It is. I'm challenging you. It's going to fix some of the turmoil inside of you. I'm challenging you, you're going to be less confused, less depressed, less stressed. You're going to live with less pressure. If you just put God first and make this intentional effort, man, I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to concentrate on my spirit, my soul, and my body. This is what a real relationship with Jesus looks like. Do you love him this morning, King's House? Yeah. Would you pray with me today? Would you pray with me? I know this is very practical, but, man, I hope you grabbed on. I think this message could... Um, influence your life in just an equally a bigger way as so many of the other very spiritual lessons we've had. God, I love you today. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for this blessing that you want us to walk in a Sabbath, a day of rest. God, a day set aside where you can just rejuvenate us, that you can just encourage us, that you can help us to, to, to live the type of life that you want us to live full of passion and abundance and excess. God, I know it's going to be difficult for many of us, but God, I just ask that you would drive these points deep into our hearts today, that this seed of your word would find good soil in our hearts and we would begin to implement some of these principles in our life because I know that the results of some of these things being implemented in our lives would be so exponential and would revolutionize so many aspects of our life. I thank you for it. I thank you for this incredible body of believers. God, I love them so much. They're an incredible blessing. And God, I know that you love them even more. Bless them today going in and going out. I think you've called them to be above and not below the head and not the tail. God, I think they are blessed. Every place their foot touches, blessed. Everything they lay their hand to is blessed. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say it. Give God some praise today. Thank you so much. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next Sunday morning. God bless you. Thanks for joining our podcast today. If you are ever in need of prayer or wish to speak to a pastor, please email us at info at thekingshouse.church. And if you would like to give towards the ministry of the King's House, you can do so by visiting our website, thekingshouse.church slash giving. Or you can text any dollar amount to the number 84321 and simply respond to the prompt sent back to you. 
If you're ever around the area and want to visit, we meet every week at 124 V. Huber Smith Drive in McAllister, Oklahoma. You can even plan your visit ahead of time where you can reserve your seat, your parking spot, and even pre-check in your kids before arriving on the Sunday of your choice. Just fill out the quick form at thekingshouse.church slash planyourvisit. Hey, we know life is busy, so be sure to click that subscribe button so you can catch all our latest messages, and we look forward to seeing you soon.